Hi, welcome to Sonic Serial. I'm Jesse. And I'm Mark. Oh, and in, <laughs> in this podcast, we take a deep dive. This has been a while since we did our last podcast. Yeah. Um, in this podcast, we take a deep dive into albums from some of our favorite artists, track by track. And in this episode, we are discussing Radiohead's 1993 album, Pablo Honey, which is 42 minutes and 12 songs long. It was recorded in, in Oxfordshire, and today we're going to be talking about tracks one and two. And what are those tracks? They are uh, You and Creep. That's right. In that order. Um, all right, so let's start with a bit of background on Radiohead, who they are and where they are from. So Radiohead consists of lead singer Tom York, drummer Phil Selway, guitarist Ed O'Brien, bassist Colin Greenwood, and his younger brother and multi-instrumentalist Johnny Greenwood. Uh, so uh, there was actually a time when Radiohead were just another rock band um, before all the dedication to experimentation, the self-released albums, um, and the massive acclaim. Yeah, they started out under the very <laughs> okay so the band started out under the very 80s name on a friday in 1985 uh, when they were just a group of high school friends from abingdon oxfordshire with the love of post-punk on a friday it sounds like it could be a lot of different things yeah, I'm thinking all those things that you do on a Friday, I guess. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, go on, tell us more about um, the band. Yeah, so in 1991, when Colin was actually working at a record shop, uh, he ran into the EMI A&R representative, uh, Keith Wozencroft, and he gave him a demo um, he, and he agreed to attend the band's show. And um, so after that, they signed a six-album recording contract with EMI, and then they changed their name to Radiohead, which is which came from a Talking Head song. Which Talking Head song? Radiohead. Okay. Um, okay, so um, let's talk about uh, the album. Uh, since this is our first um, podcast on Radiohead, we um, are doing a little intro on um, the band first. We won't do that on every song for this album, or every album for this artist. Yes. Um, okay, so... Uh, Let's talk about the album Pablo Honey. Uh, when it came time to record their first album, uh, their managers decided that they should work with American producers. Um, and they picked Sean Slade and Paul Coldery, um, who'd worked with the Pixies. That's all right. I just want to check our levels real quick. I'm sorry. I could have done this. Sorry. Never mind. Are you good? Yeah. Okay. So the standard narrative that follows Pablo Honey is that 
They were a group of British Nirvana wannabes who made an album filled with gloomy alt-rock songs that conformed to the then-current trends of music. Um, but uh, as Tyler Golson, um, who writes for the UK's Far Out magazine, said in a recent article, this incarnation really explains why Radiohead became Radiohead. Um, without the conforming sounds of Pablo Honey, the band would have nothing to base and fuel their radical shift away from the mainstream. Yeah. Do you, does that make sense to you? Yeah, I get it. Okay. So. Because you, you were, you were um, not shy about saying that you didn't really like this album. Yeah, I don't really <laughs> care for it that much. Um, but when I read this, it makes sense. Like they, you know, you have to, you have to fall to get up. You have to run to what? What's the? Um, you have to fly walk. with the eagles. No, you have to <laughs> walk before you run. Yeah, walk before you run. That's not a. That's not a good analogy, actually, because this is about. Um, they were just playing it safe and trying to be trendy, right? No, this is about how like they their experience with this made them realize that that what they wanted was the complete opposite. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like a starter wife. Yeah. So it was was pretty much a big learning experience for them. Um, So, uh, yeah, and it's not my favorite album, and I don't think it's most fans' favorite album, and I don't think uh, the band themselves are fond of it as well, because especially for the song we're going to talk about, their first hit single. But... um, Although, um, I just want to say, go on. <laughs> go on. That Radiohead fans are really hardcore. So if we get anything wrong or whatnot, don't come for us. But you're one of them, so. I'm not. I'm not on. You're not like a like high level. Yeah. Beyonce level. Yeah. So you were gonna talk about the album <laughs> title. <laughs> Oh, I was going to say, sorry, I interrupted you, interrupting me, interrupting you. The, in researching this online, there's, it's true that it's not a particularly popular album, but the fans that it has really are into it. Like, yeah, they, there's like a small set of fans who say they this have is like their, a you know, divided work fan and, base. The, and there's the people that really love their first album. And then, of course, when they took the, electronic route in the future they the, there's fans that they so what gained I just said. from <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> okay um you're gonna talk about the album title uh, so yes it's called pablo honey and that phrase that comes from a prank call by the jerky boys and they actually sampled it on a, their the song how do you which we'll talk about later. Pablo, honey? You washing your ass, Pablo? Who is this? Keep yourself clean, honey? Hello? Pablo? Yeah? Please come to Florida. Who the hell is this? <clears throat> so the album initially did not impress critics. Um, they were accused, Radiohead was accused of trying to be like U2 or Nirvana. Um, when their actual influences were bands like Dinosaur, Junior, R.E.M., and the Pixies. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, so moving on to their artwork. Um, it was done by Lisa Bunny Jones and Tom Sihan. And to describe the cover, it has a photo of a baby's face surrounded by a ring of cupcakes and daisy petals. So it's like a very 90s collage, and it's similar to um, how Nirvana used a baby on their album cover. Yeah, and I don't know if that was um, a, a total coincidence. We'll um, talk a little bit about sort of what was going on in the industry and like their record label. And stuff. Yeah, and I don't know if there was any symbology in that imagery and in, in symbolism. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know if there was any symbolism in that album cover as well. I mean, they're correct to you. Okay. But, I mean, that's a really cool word, symbology. (laughs) It sounds like something a tarot reader (laughs) would would say, or some kind of, like, new brand of religion. (laughs) It's the study of symbols. Oh, maybe it is. I hadn't thought of that. I mean, you didn't use it in the right context, but... Such a bad experience with the first single and um, resented the song and resented the album. And I think they maybe they didn't feel confident as a band and they didn't really know what they were... feel like they didn't know what they were doing. And um, I guess they didn't feel true. They were just being told what to do and conform to what was going on at the time, I guess. Yeah. I'm sure there was a lot of pressures to sound a certain way. Yeah. And once they found their voice, they sort of were resentful of, sort of the way that they initially sounded because it probably didn't feel genuine or authentic to them. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, oh, speaking of, um, their U.S. label, EMI, um, at the time said that uh, they were targeting... Uh, the Beavis and Butthead slacker generation with this album. Um, and a print ad that came out, I wish I could find a, a copy of it, but a print, out that, a print ad that came out for the album at the time um, uh, said, Radiohead, better than Butthead, Oxford, England's rowdiest new band. <laughs> <laughs> Music that, wait, that doesn't suck. <laughs> Featuring the self-loving anthem creep. <laughs> the, I'm sorry. No, that was, that was good. Uh, so, here you go. Their record label was pushing them as, um, like, kind of a, a rowdy slacker band. Yeah. Um, and obviously that's not the who, who they would... Blossom to be no. Um, okay, so let's talk about track one, which is you. A little bit of background. Uh, this song was written when they were still known as On a Friday, and it's believed to be about the idolization of an individual or putting someone on a pedestal. And um, you said last night when we were listening to it that it sounds like Soundgarden and it's yeah, kind of like all, all the I'll t- yeah I'll talk about it when I talk about my personal experience with it. Oh, 
yeah. Um, so let's talk about the production for you. Um, well, I have nothing to say. <laughs> but I do like the melody. It's um, just a straightforward rock song to me. Just drums, ba- uh, guitars, and bass. Okay, sit down. So I'm going to say a lot right now. And it's uh, actually a, a quote from, uh, again, Tyler Golson's article, um, which is really good, um, uh, for Far Out Magazine. He says... The first sign that Radiohead were different came halfway through the first song on Pablo Honey, You. While the track peters along in a fairly standard fashion, a brief pause in the action allows Radiohead's lead singer to unleash a harried howl that resonates in a way that seemed incongruous with the musical surroundings. This wasn't glowy or particularly pissed off. It was a yearning and emotional in a way that most grunge bands would never allow themselves to sound. For anyone who picked up Pablo Honey on the fly, this was their first real introduction to Tom York. All right. I, I like that yeah. sort of sentiment because, or what he's saying, because, um, yeah. That's nice. About the track. And, and yeah, when I first heard it, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, let's talk about the lyrics. So... One of the lyrics that stand out is, uh, you're the sun and moon and stars are you, and I could never run away from you. You try out working out chaotic things, and why should I believe myself, not you? It's like the world is going to end so soon, and why should I believe myself? So it kind of feels like putting your faith in someone like a presidential or, or religious figure. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I actually think it's written, sort of inspired by or about the, um, there's a poem called Dive for Dreams by E.E. E. Cummings. There's a lot of overlap between the lyrics and the um, poem, hmm. namely a lot of sun, moon, star metaphors. Um, the theme of that poem uh, dive for dreams is basically all about simply believing in oneself by believing in yourself you're able to choose your dreams without letting um, anything throw you off course that's what the e is about but the song is um, much sadder yeah the lyrics all right um, album context um, I'm going to say, because it's track one, that um, they would open with kind of the most mainstream grunge song. Um, yeah, it, it really feels like a doomy opener, which I feel is very 90s. I feel like, you know, cynicism seemed cool back then. Isn't that your improv name, too? <laughs> what? Doomy opener. <laughs> Yes. Okay, so um, as far as live performances, um, there's a few. Um, There's an acoustic version um, from 1994. It's 
funny because if you watch the video, um, it's, which is on YouTube titled Radiohead U Acoustic 1994, um, the first shot in the video is of an electric guitar. Um, that's cool. So that's not really acoustic. No. Um, as far as remixes or covers go, um, one cover that I really like is by Christopher O'Reilly, and it's his piano rendition of the song, and it just feels very cinematic and something you would hear in TV or something, very heavy. Speaking of that, what's your personal experience with it? <laughs> I thought that was for me. I was like, oh, what? No, uh, I actually... That question was for you. <laughs> Whatever. Um, I don't have any personal experiences with this song. Do you? Um... I do. I mean, as a as a child of grunge, living in Seattle in the early '90s, um, there was so much like music that sounded like that. Even not copying Nirvana, but at the time that Nirvana was coming up, there was a lot of other bands like Mudhoney and Soundgarden and all that stuff that were all also, you know, playing gigs and roller skating rinks and yeah. stuff. So um, there was just so much of it, and. It was played so often on the radio that I think it just sounded like just some one another one of those bands that was coming yeah, up with. It the, didn't really stand out to you. No. No. Sorry, I could have said that in a lot. Wait. What? <laughs> sorry? I thought we were talking about creep. No. I'm sorry. <laughs> Never mind. Okay. That's cool. Wait, so now that we're talking about you, do you have any personal experience with it? <laughs> no, I don't. How about you? I already did mine. I know, I already said that. Anyway. <laughs> no, because you thought you were talking about Crete. Oh, I got it. I got it. Get it? And so, okay. Okay. So it's no um, for both. We... Okay, so oh, speaking you, of... There's a TV show called You. Yes, there's a TV show called You, which is, which is good. Okay. All right. Um, let's get into track two, Creep. Uh, give us some background, Jesse. Um... Tom York wrote this song in the late 80s while he was at university. And it was actually, they first performed it um, when they were in between recording sessions for Pablo Honey. And the, pro pro the producers liked it, but they thought it was a cover because Tom s introduced it as being their Scott Walker song. And Scott Walker. Uh, he's a singer. <clears throat> from like the 60s or 70s. Okay. Um, and the hard-hitting guitar strums you hear from Johnny Greenwood before the chorus were actually an accident. 
um, they were checking the volumes on the instruments and Johnny didn't like how quiet the song was so he hit his guitar a few times out of frustration and the band ended up calling this The Noise and it ended up being one of the best parts of the song. Is that the... Yeah. Okay, let's hear the real version. Okay. Let's start off with the lyrics. This is a very lyric... Um, this is a song where the lyrics have been examined and cross-examined and dissected. Um, yeah, so when many people. Tom has been asked about it, he has replied that it's about a drunk that stalks a woman because he doesn't have the confidence to um, face her. And he also feels like he understands the woman on a subconscious level. The drunk or Tom? Both. Okay. So yeah, I just feel like it's it's about admiring someone but not being good enough for them to even notice you. And I think it deals with insecurities and inadequacies uh, stemming from toxic masculinity. Do you think that? <laughs> yeah, because the way he says, like, I want a perfect body and stuff like that. and That's more like male insecurities. Yeah, but I think he's, in the interview when he says that he's um, understanding the woman he um, admires I've on, seen. on a subconscious level, Got it. he went on to say, like, it was a quote I really didn't understand, that's why I didn't put it in there, but he said that, Don't worry, I'll cut those out. You never burp in real life, and then as soon as we have the cameras rolling. You give me sparkling rosé. He said that he feels like Radiohead aren't like a something along the lines of a macho band, because mm. a lot of bands back then were aggressive or like male bands anyway and he said that so they they don't do that but they're not exactly effeminate so it just felt like he was trying to say a very 90s way of that <laughs> he's non-binary <laughs> like from a like from a sexual perspective no just from like a musical Persona, yeah. persona. Yeah, yeah, it's all about persona. Okay. Got it. So that persona wasn't any one thing. It was no. Multiple things. That's deep. So uh, Johnny actually confirmed that the song was actually about a woman that Tom followed around, and she was in a part of town that Tom felt too bohemian for. Um, so that's so why... So it was like a fancy part of town? Yeah, so that's why he said, like... I don't belong here. What the hell am I doing here? Mm. It's like a pretty yeah. woman thing. Pretty woman. Yeah. He felt like Julia Roberts. <laughs> um, so he says, one of the lyrics are, I don't care if it hurts. I want to have control. I want a perfect body. I want a perfect soul. I want you to notice when I'm not around. You're so fucking special. I wish I was special. 
Very straightforward lyrics of things yeah. that a lot of people experience. So, you know, it's 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 catchy, it's um, memorable, and it resonates with probably almost everybody that hears it. So, I, yeah, it's obvious why it became popular. Speaking of other songs, I forgot that I was going to throw in a dad joke um, that this song is not to be confused with "Creep" by TLC, which came out at around the same time. <laughs> Wait, <clears throat> what's the joke? That's a more like somebody mansplaining. Oh, I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> so the dad just tells someone, you know, Radiohead's creep shouldn't be, shouldn't be confused with TLC. <laughs> that sounds like something you'd be like, oh, okay. I, I didn't ask, but thanks. Oh. Want to talk about the video? Sure. Okay, so. I'm going to look up that joke, see if there's actually a joke in the joke. Uh, the video for Creep was directed by Brett Turnbull who's gone on to shoot many concert videos by famous artists such as Taylor Swift, Ariana Grande, and Elton John, to name a few. Um, so the music video is just basically the band performing on stage, and there's some camera moves and colorful lights, so it's pretty basic. Uh, it was filmed at a... <laughs> it was filmed at a place... It was filmed at a place called Oxford. <laughs> it, it was filmed at a place called The Venue in Oxford. Are you still on the video? <laughs> I got up, turned off the kitchen lights, <clears throat> got them to drink, Can you came put back your headphones and... on? <laughs> anyway... Let's start again. Let's talk about the video. <laughs> uh, the video is directed by Brett Turnbull, who's gone on to shoot many concert videos by famous music artists. Can you name one? Taylor Swift, okay. Harry Styles, Ariana Grande, Thank Elton you. John, Coldplay. Okay. Um, yeah, so the video is just the band. I didn't want to fight. I just thought maybe people would, you know, want to hear some of the... The video is just the band performing on stage, and there's some camera moves and colorful lights, so it's pretty all sour. It's pretty basic. It kind of reminds me of a <laughs> of a scene um, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV show. Um, you know when they have the bands that perform at the Bronze. And they just, yeah, shoot the band. That's just what it looks like. Okay. Cool. <laughs> um, so it, it, filming took place at a place called The Venue in Oxford. And in order to film the video, Radiohead had to put on a short free concert in which they just played Creep several times. <clears throat> and one of the audience members was actually the electronic musician Fortet who went on to work with Radiohead in the future. You think they met there? 
No. More industry stuff. But maybe that was like their intro when they <clears> connected. <throat> they were like, guess what? <laughs> I told you when, when I was an MIA groupie and going to see them around parts of LA that um, uh, No Doubt showed up mm. at their show. Um, and then she, uh, MIA went on a tour with them. Yeah. Like after. So maybe that was their sort of live introduction. Yeah. To MIA and Diplo. Want to talk about production? <clears throat> yeah, let's talk about production. Was I supposed to say that? I don't know. But, um, um, I don't really have much to say on production. This is your forte. Yeah, so... Oh, I actually um, do have a lot to say. Go on. So the composition of the song ended up sounding like the Hollies' 1973 song, The Air That I Breathe. <clears throat> I don't know if that was on purpose or he just did it subconsciously. It happens. I do it sometimes. But I guess uh, Albert Hammond and Mike Hazelwood of the um, group ended up successfully suing Radiohead for a copyright infringement um, on how much um, that song sounded like um, their song, The Air That I Breathe. Um, and now, <clears throat> as a result, newer copies of Pablo Honey have... Um, in the credits, they credit uh, Hammond and Hazelwood as Creek co-writers, and they split royalties on the song. <clears throat> so. And then, ironically, in 2018, Lana Del Rey claimed she was being sued by Radiohead <clears throat> for stealing from Creep for her song, Get Free. This is my commitment, my modern and um, that wasn't entirely true because the band's publishers just wanted songwriting credit. That's all. So she mis she misrepresented what was going on. Well, her Twitter or tweet said that she. I forgot the quote, but said like legal, something. And, you know, people automatically go to suit, so I don't I see. know if she knew she was putting out that message. Yeah. I get it. Uh, so, let's talk about live performances. They've uh, pretty much performed this song in probably every show of their uh, first two tours. But they, they've slowly dropped it from the set list altogether because, as I um, mentioned, they, or we'll talk about, is that they actually grew to resent the song because of how, how much people wanted it and they, had, they felt like they had much more to offer. <laughs> I see. So, so. But now they've um, lightened up and they'll, they'll play it on occasion when they're in the mood too. Yeah, I, I, it's like if you put something out and you get known for it. Yeah. And then you don't think that that's you. And people start accusing you of being one hit wonders and nobody wants to be. 
No, no, it's not. Uh, so let's talk about uh, trivia. Uh, so when the song skyrocketed to popularity, the band um, commenced their personal backlash by privately renaming it Crap because it was the only song people cared about. It made them feel like they were doing a cover, and I think it made them... It, it was an unsettling feeling for them to have their first single put them at the top. If your first single that you put out under Sine Wave mm-hmm. um, went to number one, would that would you be upset? Thinking back to your first album. Oh. I think at first it, it probably it feels really exciting to, but then you like try to show them new stuff. And you're still known for that. Yeah, I guess it, it could. It, I'll have to go back and listen to the first. It's song like people before. saying you were so cute when you were a child. <laughs> it's like, well, I'm not that person anymore. Yeah, there's more to me. Or I don't know. Do people tell you you're a cute child? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, like I said, they've avoided playing this at concerts, and so I think it's common knowledge among their fans that not to request it. Um, but going back to lyrics, uh, one of the original lyrics of this song was "Shoulder of lamb frying in a pan." I don't, I don't know what to make of that. Shoulder of lamb frying in a pan. Well, we'll do some misheard lyrics in a minute. So yeah. Oh, yeah. So, okay. <laughs> so you'll see how. Cool. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I'm chewing my lollipop. Can you finish the next one? Yeah. Uh, most of the songs from Pablo Honey have 5 million views on YouTube. On YouTube. And Creep has 750 million. Yeah. That's. Just shows you how, what a like, kind of standout song it was. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's everywhere. This is probably Radiohead's most famous song, and it's likely to be sung at any karaoke night. <clears throat> have you ever seen it performed at karaoke? I have. I saw a drag queen do it. Is that good? No, she was just fire. She was off duty. She was like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not off duty, but. She wasn't performing for an audience. She was just like by oh, herself, just like, on a night out. But the dance floor was empty. It was like a random Tuesday night or something. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, other notable um, people who loved the song, which probably like annoyed Radiohead to no end, were John Bon Jovi and Arnold Schwarzenegger, who both at different times talked about how much they loved Radiohead and Creep, how awesome a song it was. Yeah, I can just see Arnold Schwarzenegger crying in the shower to this song about not having a perfect body. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm sure that, that that's not who they wanted associated with their music, no. saying that they loved it. Um, also, <clears throat> for some reason, um, it got relentless radio play on Army Radio, um, which is what all of the soldiers listen to in the, in the um, Middle East and Israeli fans were so into the track because of that that when um, the band pulled up to um, 
to promote it, um, people ripped clumps from his hair as he walked by from the car to the... Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's why he keeps it... He kept it short for a while. So I can... <clears throat> uh, what are your personal experiences with this song? Um, I think it was my first intro to depressing music as a child. Oh. I have something similar. My parents used to play... I used to have to go to bed early as a child, and I'm a total night owl. But for some reason, my parents would play this thing called Stars on 45, and they would do like, like remixes of all like all the songs on one album. Mm-hmm. And they played one that was the Beatles, and it had these like these women singing. Here, here. This this is what it sounded like. Anyway, I would hear that when I was in bed, and it just, every time I heard it after that, because it was really popular when I was little, um, it would just give me that that dread of having to go to bed. <laughs> I don't I, I don't know if that's similar. I thought you were going to say your parents would play Creep <laughs> every time you had to go to bed. <laughs> like, what? No, it's just my association. <laughs> How associations with music. I see. Yeah. But anything about this song in particular? <laughs> I was just riffing off what you said. I know. But do you recall... Does this song have a significance? Oh. Or do you remember the first time you heard it? <clears throat> if you heard it... Yeah, I mean, I was living it. here in Seattle. Um, and... It just was playing everywhere. Yeah, I'm sure. And I remember actually liking it at first because it didn't sound like Nirvana. Um, but, or it didn't sound as much like, you know, that kind of song. It did yeah. have the do-do-do-do, but that's, I don't know, that's it. Just, it yeah. was like, like a, it just felt like a pop song to me because it was played so much. Yeah, and... Some radio stations are still playing it to this day. Yeah. Yeah, as well. Um, so you want to talk about any covers or remixes? Um, sure. Uh, well, Tom actually remixed this song in 2021, quite recently, for a fashion show by the brand Undercover, uh, designed by Jun Takahashi. I like it. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. It's more my style, I guess. Which is? Slow and electronic. <laughs> well, <clears throat> um, in addition to that uh, remix, um, uh, if you look on YouTube and you look up um, Pearl Jam and Creep Remix, um, it'll come up they did a cover but um, just looking kind of through the um, comments and stuff uh, apparently 
uh, it's just something that Eddie Vedder recorded with some friends who weren't in the band um, when they were jamming mm. and they just did it kind of for fun and one of them recorded it and it somehow got out nice uh, <clears throat> then Korn did an unplugged version in 2007 which we heard a bit of and um, probably never want to hear again <laughs> Uh, and then um, I would say even a, a, a bigger insult to the song is Moby's uh, cover yeah, uh, which he did at Glastonbury in had, 2003 had some turntable scratches in it yeah had some like wah-wah <laughs> kind of effects but otherwise it was strong it was sung just kind of straight you know like yeah. just to the except a little it just felt like a, a really lazy electronic remix yeah of the song And what about films? Uh, it's been used in some films, uh, but one that stands out to me is a choral version that was used in the trailer for Social Network, the movie about Mark Zuckerberg's starting Facebook. So. So now we're going to um, finish up with um, our favorite segment, which is Misheard Lyrics. So it's a site um, called Misheard Lyrics where you can look up any song and, and people uh, sort of talk about how they, they thought the lyrics were. So one of them is, because uh, I'm a creep, I'm a weirdo. Uh, the most misheard lyric for that was, because I'm a creek, I'm a river. That's beautiful. <laughs> And, but I'm a creep, I'm a weirdo, has been mistaken for, but I'm a dick, I suck dildo. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it, it's, it's on there, that's the number two most misheard um, version for those words. Um, another one that that was on there that actually I misheard. Um, so the original notice is, I want you to notice when I'm not around. And I thought it said, I want you to notice when I'm not aroused. Wow. I mean, I would want <laughs> someone to notice, I guess. Yeah. Because <laughs> then they're like, oh, I should go over there and arouse him. How else would they know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, before we wrap up, I wanted to give a shout out to the much better song Creep by TLC. Um, of which there are did, numerous mashups. Um, did you just put that there <laughs> in your notes? <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Okay. Because um, you liked that song. Yeah. So I put it there for you. Well, I mentioned my dad joke earlier. Yeah. Yeah. But I had put that there already. Oh. 
that was there. Oh, okay. <clears throat> That's what I was trying to understand. It's not. It wasn't a joke. Oh. It just it sounded like a piece, like a fact. <clears throat> I see. Okay. Uh, and there's some um, good mashups of um, both Creeps, the TLC, and the Radiohead one. And uh, here's one. I would like. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, this was the first episode of our second album review. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the songs Creep and You. All right. So next week, you we creep. Oh, and that's the order they're it's in. It's a hidden message. Of that. Huh. Okay. <laughs> uh, next week we're going to do uh, our next episode. How do you stop whispering and thinking of you? So three songs. I'm a creep. Or should we do stop more? Stop whispering because I'm thinking of you. <laughs> is it? Is it? Are the songs like a lyric? Maybe it's a message. Uh, what were you going to say? Uh, it doesn't matter. Alright. <laughs> okay. Then we will see you um, next episode. Bye. Bye.